Hey everybody, great to see you. If you're new here, my name's Britt. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, man, it's just, it's so encouraging to me to meet new faces. Uh, if you're brand new here, welcome to Sunridge. If you've been coming for a long time, I'm just so grateful to be a part of your life and to be a part of this church. So um, today we're going to be talking about some of the things that we actually have already sung about. But I want you to think about some of the things that maybe you've said or got said to you this week as we drop into our message. Uh, your, your table will be ready at 6. Uh, your flight is confirmed on June 20th. Uh, your package will arrive on Monday. Um, I'll pick you up right after school. These are all promises, right? They're promises that we've either made or been made to us. We're constantly making promises and relying on them as well. The world would not work without promises and people being dependable enough for them to be true. You know, some promises, we, we rely on all of our promises, but some promises are more important than others, right? I promise my life to you in marriage forever. I will love you and cherish you till death do us part. The police are en route to your house. Um, your credit card numbers are secure with us. Trust me, I'm with the government. These are all uh, promises that are pretty important. Think about like the promises that were made to you or that you relied upon this week. When you drove here, you were relying on people staying on their side of the road. When they got behind their car, they were basically promising to you, I'm going to drive on the right-hand side of the road. And they, and they also promised that they were going to stop at stop signs and red lights. And you showed up here because you, you felt like we were going to be reliable enough to have church. We depend upon promises. And you only need to have a promise unmet, particularly some of these more important ones, to realize how important promises are to us. Peter wrote, the Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter that God has made great and marvelous promises to us. And by them, we would be able to have his nature in us. God is a promise maker, but he is also a promise keeper. And this, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we started this series called I Promise, and it's just a collection of messages that uh, we're looking at a few of the promises that God has made in the Bible to anyone who will place their trust in him. But as I've said, you know, some promises are more important than others, and to me, the promise we talk about today might well be the most important promise of all, and here it is. I promise that I'm always with you. And the follow-up to that, I will never leave you. Respectively, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, and be sure of this, which is a way of saying, I promise. I promise you this is true. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And if that is not enough, it's buttressed from the other side of that promise when the writer of Hebrews quotes from the law in Deuteronomy he says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So the Bible covers this fully. There's the promise, I am always with you. And then there's the promise that I will never leave you. 
God has covered all the bases in regards to the promise of his presence. And you know, the promises of God are so important for us as Christians because in most cases, that promise is kind of an intersection of what our human fears and our human needs and the character of God. That's where God's character and what we, we need from our creator intersect. They are the promises of God, and this one is especially important. I will never leave you. If I told you, Christian, that no matter what, no matter how horrible life gets for you, no matter how amazing it becomes, you will never be alone. If that really sunk in and you, and you really relied upon that, how much difference would that make in your perspective of life, the way you live, the, you know, the challenges that you face? And if you're not a Christian, with a promise like that that is so clear and repeated in the Bible, can you tell me again why you're not a Christian? What does the promise of God's presence mean? This promise of God's presence in our lives is more than just the capacity of God to be omnipresent, and its significance extends far beyond the manner in which God's presence is manifested in us through the Holy Spirit, which Jed did such a fabulous job the past two weeks, and last week in particular talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of God is much more meaningful than the systematic theology that is often associated with it and that it undergirds like the uh, soteriology and the sovereignty of God. I love in his book, Uncaged, how Judd Wilhite uh, talks about this promise of God's presence. And he notes the different prepositions that God uses when speaking through his prophet Isaiah and how God's presence is all-encompassing. In Isaiah 41.10, God speaks through his prophet and he says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And we're going to leave that verse up there, and I want you to just see the different facets of God's presence as Will Height notes. First of all, he says, I am with you, which is to say that God is by you at all times. And he says, because of that, you don't need to be dismayed. Whatever you're facing, God is right there beside you, and that should calm our fears. I'm with you. He says, I am your God which is to say that God is over you, God is bigger than you, and, there, and he's bigger than anything else that you may be facing. God is bigger than all of it. I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you, which is another way of saying God is in us, his power, his strength. And so we do have the power to overcome and to face the things that life throws at us. He says, I will help you which as a helper, God is around us. We have 360-degree coverage at all times, 24-7, of God waiting in the wings to assist us in the things that we face. And then lastly, he says, I will hold you up. So that, the picture there is God is underneath us. 
and he's supporting us and lifting us up. And if you look at that, every side, every capacity, every, every angle is covered. When, when the Bible says that God's presence is with us at all times, he has your six, Christian. There are, there are many differences that I think that this promise makes in our lives, but I want to note four today, and that's kind of the essence of my message, and all of this is in your notes. The difference, of God, the difference God's presence makes in our lives, first of all, is God's presence gives us the confidence we need to tackle the day. His presence gives us the confidence to tackle the day. If you're like me, most, most of you woke up thinking about the things that are ahead. It's not Monday yet. Tomorrow morning, you'll wake up with a greater sense of urgency about these things. But I know that some of you, like me, you're facing a week that has challenges and fears in many ways. You know that the most often use of this promise, I am with you, in the Bible is to bolster the confidence of somebody who is trying to face a challenge. Let me just blow through some scriptures. And pretty much you could just name anybody in the Bible that God worked through and God gives them this promise. Because it, it, it's, God's call is, is, is always accompanied by the promise of his presence. There's Isaac in Genesis 26, 24. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. There's Jacob in Genesis 28, 15. I'm with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. There's Gideon. Remember Gideon, our underdog? Judges 6.16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. There's Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.8, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then Jesus to his disciples when he gives them the greatest task any human being could ever have been given, to continue the work of Christ in their day and time. And he says, as you do so, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's promise gives us the confidence to tackle our day. What's the biggest thing in front of you? What's waiting out there? Is it bigger than you? Is it bigger than God? See, God's presence gives us the confidence to face the things that we would rather bury our heads in the sand, that we could become paralyzed in fear, we want to run from it, or the, in the entire other spectrum, we could be bloated with self-confidence and pride. God's presence gives us that confidence to take that challenge on. Because Nowhere in the Bible does it ever promise a perfect life. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials. But God is with us in that trial. Some of you have big decisions to make this week, financial decisions. Some of you are seeking advice, or someone is going to seek advice from you. Some of you are parents. We don't need to even talk about any challenges after that. Some of you are like, you got to make a purchase. You, you're going to have to buy a new car. And you want to do the best you can do. 
Some of you are going through a business reset or a career change or you're thinking about going back to school. Whatever is waiting out for you this week, um, God's presence will give you the confidence to face that. You know, often the promise of God's presence was the thing that buttressed me as a battalion chief in the fire department when I would show up to a scene and would have incident command and I'd walk to the back of my command unit and raise the hatch to my fire SUV, my chief mobile, and before I would get to work, I would just say out loud sometimes, okay, Lord, it's just me and you. Because I knew so much was riding on what I was doing, and I felt, I mean, I had all this training and experience, but still, you know, there was fear in my heart that my decisions could hurt somebody. Sometimes people think the life of a pastor is like this thing where, like, you show up on Monday morning, or actually, you don't only come to work on Sunday, right? But then, you know, like, it's just like all bliss. You know, you come in, and we all sing kumbaya as a staff to get started, and then it's all love and butterflies, and everybody, you know, everything's just perfect. And you're just in this nice little safe bubble. You know, my job, sometimes it is like that. You guys are easy church to pastor. Not all of you, but most of you. And um, uh, sometimes you tell a joke and you get lost. Um, but like on a, on a lot of days, it's just, it's like every other job. I have hard conversations to have. I have dialogues to enter into. There's stuff I have to think about. I got to write a sermon. I love to study the Bible. Sermon writing is the worst. That's why I love sermon.com. You know, Sunday morning right there in the front row, I can find my message. Uh, so I have studying to do. I have budget decisions to make. We're working on that. And you have the same kind of week facing you. No, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or career person, what, you know, a college student, a high school student, you know, you're on vacation, whatever it is, there are challenges waiting for you. I get that. And God's presence can give you the confidence to face that. You, you might not be the smartest person that could do it. You might not be the best person for that job. You, there might be many people that it would do better than you or I. But you're the person that God has placed there. And because you're there, God will be with you. And he will enable you to face it. And even if you feel that it's beyond you. So the next time you're facing something you think that is beyond your capacity, probably it is. So just acknowledge that and then remember that God is with you. He promised that. Second way I think this present, the presence of God makes a difference in our lives is God's presence brings us comfort in our darkest hour. Brings us comfort in our darkest hour. This is the second most often um, reason for God stating to somebody in the Bible, I'm with you. It's to bring them comfort. It's to remind them that you're not in this by yourself, that you are not alone, even with the deep pain that you may be facing. You know, King David was a man after God's own heart. He he, he was like just such a special 
person. But his life was not without challenges and without heartbreak. And he refers to that often in his psalms. In Psalm 34, 18, he says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Which here's a person who pursues God with all of his heart on most days. And he knows what it feels like to be crushed in his spirit and to be brokenhearted. And yet, what does he filter that through? That God is close in that time. And then in Psalm 23, 4, you're probably familiar with this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. It's like, yeah, I'm going to a deep and dark place. But I'm not afraid because you're with me. You know, it's in those moments of our darkest times that we feel most abandoned by God and we doubt. In the middle of our pain, we can feel depression, we can be anxious, we can be worried, we can ache inside in a physical way, not just emotionally. We can feel so alone. And I look out in our audience right now, and I know that some of you, you're in the middle of a divorce, you've had a death in your family, you, you've, you have an illness. Some of you, your prognosis is terminal. You're facing great things. Some of you, you just, you're facing depression. And barring a miracle... You know, you're going to pray about that thing and you're going to seek God. But barring a miracle for some of us, it's not going to change. And what do we do with that? We have God's presence. He's close to the brokenhearted. I've talked before about the memorial team that our church has, and it wasn't that long ago that we held a service here for a family that they lost their teenage son tragically. And they weren't churchgoers, and um, we put on the service for them, and it was just such a great opportunity for us to serve someone in our community. And as, as we often find, God does something in their lives. We don't always get to watch it, but we hear back. And this particular family, uh, you know, they experience kind of a spiritual renewal. And even though they live out of state, they've taken up going to church, and, and they'll point back to this moment here. And what happened is, in, in the experience of losing their son, they experienced the presence of God. So yes, they're, they're going to go through life without that young man in their lives, which I can't even wrap my head around. But they also realize now that they're walking through that with God's presence moment by moment. When we, when we get to these low points, it's easy to think that God has abandoned us. But without being too cavalier, and I, I'm not taking away from pain, we all have pain. Um, even in the middle of that, we have the promise of God's presence. And, 
instead of blaming God, instead of like, you know, just kind of abandoning your faith, consider it an opportunity for God to feel more present in your life because he is close to the brokenhearted. You know, David knew that God was never surprised. And I'm going to, if, if you're a person who's suffering and you're looking for comfort at this time in your life, I just want the words of David's Psalm 139 to just kind of fall on you and just let these words sink in. I'm not going to give them a lot of commentary. Psalm 139.1, O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. And every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. That's keeper. Even during the times when God seems absent, he's with you. He promised that. Another way God's presence makes a difference in our lives is God's presence is where we find fulfillment in life. The fulfillment that we're looking for. You know, Mick Jagger saying that he couldn't get no satisfaction, but maybe that's because he didn't look in the right place. I don't know, Mick. I'm sure he's heard of me. <laughs> and I'm not talking about being all giddy and bubbly and ridiculous all the time. That's not what I'm saying. Because life throws things at us. But listen again to these psalms. Psalm 16.1. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Psalm 21.6. I'm glad with the joy of your presence. These psalms are written by real people who faced real life. They're saying, whatever is coming at me, your presence gives me joy. In fact, it is the source of true and lasting joy. But the truth is, it may require a change of appetite for some of us. I mean, if some of you if you're honest, you're that person that you're just never, ever happy. It's just, it just seems like life always lets you down. And I've, often, I've found that often people that are that way, it's like, you know who you are. I mean, our, our dispositions are, I, I'm not like taking a shot at you in any way. I'm, I'm going to point out something here. So don't feel like I'm, I'm picking on you. But, and then there's, Others of us who are kind of more up and down based on life situation and how things are going. And you have to ask yourself, why am I so up and down? Or why am I always down if I'm a Christian? Oftentimes it's because we're looking for the next thing. 
It's just like the next thing's going to make me happy. You know, if I could just get that next job, or I can't be happy with who's in office today, or I, I need a new boss, or I need my kids to start being this way, or, you know, I'll never be happy until the church plays my kind of music. You know, I think that Jesus transforms us in this area in particular. You have the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 1.21 where he says, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then later he writes to the people that he ministered to in Thessalonica of, these, of church people. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Like, even with the sheep of the flock, there's great joy, even though none of us are perfect, because we dwell in your presence. When I first became a Christian, all I really wanted out of God is forgiveness. You know, I had that kind of experience initially. But I think what I'm learning now is that life is so much sweeter with whether I'm up or down, when I'm experiencing a sense of God's presence in my life. Because God designed us to be in fellowship with him. We're made to be in God's presence. And ultimately in heaven, all the barriers will be removed and we'll be in the presence of Jesus and we're going to love it. I don't know where you find yourself right now if happiness or fulfillment seems elusive to you but I would say to you it's like trust his word on this area it's like that whatever life is throwing at you right now whatever your, your disposition there is joy and fulfillment in the presence of God because if you don't get that even if you're a Christian you're going to try to fill that, that void in you with uh, carnal things, you know, I need, I need more money, and then I'll be happy, I need a new car, I need a bigger house, I need better vacations. Or sometimes we use spiritual uh, substitutions for it, too, and we seek experiences and, and different things that will, like, take us to a new emotional level. And, you know, there's just no substitution for the presence of God daily in ordinary life, day in and day out. And there are a lot of barriers to it today. I mean, Paul said that our being able to see God, the way he described it, it's like, it's like looking into an obscure glass. They we don't fully see Jesus, and anybody who tells you that they see Jesus completely fully, it's like they're, they're contrasting with Paul. Paul says, we don't see him perfectly. One day we will. And when we do, every barrier will be removed and we'll be completely in the presence of God. But until then, God promises us that he's with us and we can stand on that. So if you've been looking for fulfillment in all, all the other places, remember this, that it's found in the presence of God. And, and if you will rely upon that, you will have joy. He promised it. Lastly, God's presence makes a difference this way, that his presence 
is the guarantee of God's love. God's presence is the guarantee of, of his love. You can tell how much someone loves you by how much time they'll spend with you. You know, if, you, if you're in a relationship with a person that's saying they love you, but they never have time for you, you should be doubting that, right? When, when Cindy and I first met in Bible college in the spring, and then she went home in the summer, I stayed in Springfield, Missouri, and I went to see her every chance I had. I, I would work construction till Friday evening, get in my little Nissan 260Z. I was styling. And... Um, I would drive to Holland, Michigan, 11 hours straight. And I would roll up on Saturday morning, spend the weekend with her and her family, and then Sunday night, I would leave and drive back to Missouri and roll up to my construction job. Only love could make a man do this. And by the way, she was smitten with me too, but you all understand that. She said it was my pecs. Which means she may not love me now because they're gone. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, look at the lengths God went to to be with us. John writes in his gospel that, of Jesus that he, God made his dwelling among us. When the Christ child is born in Matthew 123, the, 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 uh, the angel announces they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus went to the cross for us. And it was because he was so desperate, God was so desperate for us to have a relationship with him that he, he allowed Jesus to do the redemptive work on the cross so that there would be no barrier between us. It's, it's the redemptive work of Christ that makes God's presence in our lives possible. And when we trust in that, he promised he promised that he is present in our lives. And if we need more than that, if I need more than the death of Christ to experience God's presence or to know that God loves me, I need more stuff, or I need more experiences. Like, that is gluttony, people. God went to extreme lengths because he loved us. And his presence in our lives is testimony of the great love God has for humanity. You know, this week, or last week, in preparing for this message, I went around and I talked to people, and I asked them this question. I said, tell me about a time in your life when God's presence made a real difference. It could be a big thing or a little thing. Just tell me, tell me a story. Somebody told me about the many times that they have stepped into something that they had never done before and all the uncertainty that came with that and the sense in, in doing that, that God is with me in this, made a huge difference in their lives. So, someone told me about a time when they were getting on a plane to go to Thailand on a missions trip. They'd never been to Thailand, never been on a flight that long, and they said, there were, I had this sense of God being with me in that moment. Someone told me about the time when she got kicked out of the house at 18 and found herself in a rat-infested uh, hotel room 
in a, in a gang area. And she cried out to God. She was not a religious person. Cried out to God and said, God, if you are really real, let me sense that you're with me. And you know, God did. And she has been a person of faith ever since. Someone told me about the times when, the, when they work with high schoolers that the student asks them one of those tough questions. You know, you parents of teenagers, you don't want to answer that question. You're open. the youth pastor or someone else answers that question for you. Well, this person talked about how they get asked that, and if they just answer, they feel like their answers are lame, and the student goes, eh, you know, that'll never sink in. And, but then when they stop and they say, God, I, I need you to be with me in this answer. Dramatic difference. Someone told me a story about how they were serving in a ministry in this valley and someone came at closing time and they had to tell them, you have to come back tomorrow. And the person went off on them. And they just said, you know, God is here, there's a program, and you can come back tomorrow and we'll help you. And they, and they left feeling really good about what God was doing in their life. Someone talked about how they tend to think of God's presence as, I'm here, and I'm going over there, and God's here with me, and then he'll be there with me. But they never had really thought about how God is with them in the in-between. Whether they're going on a missions trip, or whether they're going to go to something else, it's like, God is with us, not just here, and not just there, but in the in-between. And then lastly, someone told me about how when they feel uh, relational tension or conflict, it, if they can sense God's presence in that moment, the conversation goes way different. Without, uh, without recognizing God's presence, they're like, they get kind of like bowed up and, uh, you know, enter into conflict and, you know, in an unhealthy way. But when they stop and they say, God, I know that you're here in this conflict, in their head, they don't always say it out loud, that would be weird but they, they think it through, and they say, like, God totally changes my disposition toward that person, and that tends to make the conflict go way better. I am with you. I will never leave you. You know that the Bible begins and ends with God's presence. In the garden... Adam and Eve experienced fellowship with God daily. They walked with him in the garden, and then because of their sin, they feel separated from God. And then John writes in his revelation at the, at the end of his book called that revelation that in heaven, it will be a place where we dwell with God forever. The, the first book of the Bible in the first chapter talks about the dependability of God. It says that God spoke and things happened. God said, let there be light. Let there be creatures. Let, there, let whatever God said, it happened. And because God spoke, there were people and light and continents and beaches and critters. And that, that account of Genesis, the, the creation of the world and human beings, it screams out. That God is reliable. And that when he speaks, he is not just a promise maker, but he is a promise keeper. So Christian, listen to me. 
when God said, he is with you, you can take that to the bank. God is with us. It doesn't matter what challenge you're facing. It doesn't matter the struggles you're in the middle of. It doesn't matter if like things are just so beautiful for you. God is with you. This week, whatever you're walking out of this campus and out into the real world to face, remember that he's with you and he will never leave you. Let's pray.